really excited about this whole idea of serve the cities because I think that this gives our church a great opportunity to get really hands-on with different organizations. And maybe if you've been curious about different organizations, you can actually kind of check those out and serve alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ. And all these different organizations are just absolutely fantastic. I think that this is the type of event that maybe even could be something that we could possibly do again. Um, so we're very interested in having our church rally around this. We were going to do a mission trip to uh, go to Ukraine, and that kind of got called off. Uh, so, so we're praying for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and we're trying to support them other ways, but obviously it's not safe for us to go there while there's a war. Um, but this is uh, our, our mission trip that we're going to do, but we're opening it up to the whole church, and we don't even have to fundraise for it. Uh, we just have to show up. So make this a priority. Go register. I think this is going to be fantastic. This is something you could even do uh, as a family. Um, so if you've ever wanted to introduce your kids, your grandkids to missions, this would be a really cool way to do it. Or if there's something you want to try or check out, this would be a great way to do it. It's going to be an awesome way to get to know other people. I'll tell you, when you serve with someone, you walk away from that serving opportunity kind of having created bonds. And it's a really neat experience. If you've never experienced that before, it's a great way to get connected to people and a great way to get to know people. So please sign up for Serve the Cities. It's going to be an absolute fantastic week. So go check that out, as Bryce said in the video. We're going to continue with our messenger series this week. And I love what we're doing. In case you didn't know, we're syncing this up with the kids' ministry because Kids Men is actually doing the Messenger series, but they're doing it on kids' level. So if you have kids that are in Kids City, I would encourage you to talk to them after the service about what they learned today, and then you can share what you learned as well because we're going to be synced up in some of the text and in some of the ideas that we're sharing. And so that way it would create a great family dynamic and a great family conversation around what was taught from Scripture today. So, you know, we're all God's messengers, as we learned last week. Pastor Evan opened up the series by sharing with us that we are God's messengers. But God never intended for us to do this thing that he's called us to do in our own strength. God is not dependent upon human wit or human ability or human strength. And God has not limited himself to what we can or can't do or what we say yes to or don't say yes to because he's God. So anything that we do for God is really us getting to be a part of what God has invited us to be a part of. And he gives us gifts and empowers us to be able to do the things he created us to do. So that way at the end of the day, even when we do say yes, even when we do step up, we don't get the credit, we don't get the glory for it because it's God alone who has empowered us to do what he's created us to do. It's his gifts that he's given to us. Even the very breath that we're breathing is a gift from God. And then he empowers us, as scripture says, with the Holy Spirit for us to be witnesses. This is what Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8. And if you want to follow along, you can go over to Acts 1 and 8 real quick. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus has, he, he, he's ascending into heaven. He says this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says, you're going to receive power, but the power has a purpose. The purpose of the power is for you to be witnesses 
to all these different regions. So in other words, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a task. I'm giving you a great commission, but it's not contingent upon your own ability, your own strength, your own wit, your own thoughts. It's based upon me giving you the equipment that you need, and the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do what you could never do on your own. The Holy Spirit is going to gift you and empower you and be there with you. The Holy Spirit is that, that, that side aid, that paraclete, as the Greek says, where actually our, our, our side aid, our comforter, the one who empowers us to be able to do what God has created us to do. The Holy Spirit empowers us with a supernatural boldness to proclaim the gospel. The purpose of the power is that we would be witnesses. So remember that. The next time that you think about being that light, being that salt in the earth, being that person that's going to do something that's going to influence and impact eternity, you're like, how could I ever do that? Guess what? You don't have to think about that. You don't have to worry about that because in your own strength, you can't because you're not that great. Right? <clears throat> I'm not that great. You're not that great. And that means we can relax in that regard. We can exhale because this is not contingent upon our ability. Because if, man, if eternity was contingent upon our ability, God would be in heaven nervous. And our God is not nervous, right? God's not nervous. I mean, God would be nervous going, oh, man, I hope they get this right. Oh, they're going to ruin all my plans. So it's not up to us. And so, so many times... We sit back and we take a back seat and we don't engage and get in the game and we don't do the things that God has created us to do because we're afraid of not saying the right thing, not doing the right thing, not having the right personality or maybe the right, you know, social circles or, you know, that's just not my thing and, and, and I don't know what to do. And, and so we just completely disengage and the enemy loves to intimidate believers to get us to disengage. And gives us all these excuses, right? I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. Maybe after this busy season, right? Whatever that means. Like, <laughs> your life is a busy season. You've got to make priorities for the things that God wants us to, right? And so we have to understand that this thing is not contingent upon us. And that should give us some peace. That should cause us to just calm down a little bit and go, okay, hang on a second. This is not about me. I have to depend on the power of another because this whole being called to be witnesses thing... This was God's idea, and he's sent us his spirit so that our confidence would not be in ourselves, but rather our confidence would be in the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to empower you to be witnesses. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers you, and we see this played out in Acts chapter 3. We're going to handle a lot of text here today. Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read until we stop. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, remember, this is after Jesus has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has already filled believers. We saw that first filling of believers happen in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And we heard that this, the, the, the Holy Spirit empowered the believers with a supernatural ability to speak languages that they didn't know. And so people were hearing the gospel being proclaimed in their own native language because the Holy Spirit had empowered them to do something that they didn't naturally know how to do or something that was outside of the realm of their natural ability. And then the gospel was being proclaimed as a result. So all that has happened. 
Like 3,000 people got saved after Peter preaches this sermon. And then this is kind of the next part of that story in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms to those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, he's asking for money. This guy's begging for money, and he couldn't even get to the spot to beg on his own. He had to depend on somebody else to take him every day to the gate so that he could sit there and someone could maybe have a heart of compassion and give him money. And this is how this guy had lived for years. He had been lame since birth. Verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and he said, look at us. And he fixed his gaze and his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, money, right? But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I mean, think about this. Think about a, a, think about a baby, right? How long does it take a baby or a toddler who's just first learning how to walk to actually learn how to walk? This guy not only hadn't walked before, and so he bypassed all of that immediately. This is an incredible miracle that this guy is standing up and walking. And then not only is he walking, he tries this whole jumping thing, right? Scripture said he was walking and leaping. Like, I mean, this guy's like, let me try this out. And he's praising God and everyone is amazed at this. And so this kind of sets the stage for the rest of what's going on. Verse 11. <clears throat> While he clung to Peter and John... All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him to walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, and when he, had, when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, to this we are his witnesses. Hang on just a second. Peter, okay, do you remember Peter? Let's just back up a little bit, okay? Do you remember Peter? Peter was the guy who denied Jesus three times when he was put in the hot seat, when Jesus was being beaten and was about to be crucified. And people said, hey, I know you. You were with Jesus. And he says, I don't know the man, right? He denied Jesus three times, and now something has shifted in Peter. What has shifted? What has changed? Because Peter, in his own strength and in his own natural ability, is a coward. He's afraid of other people and what they're saying. And now... He prays for a guy, gets healed, and this guy gets healed, and everyone's like questioning, how on earth did this happen? He deflects and says, I don't have any special power. This was Jesus. Oh, by the way, the one you killed. Where did this boldness come from? Where did this type of boldness 
arise in this man who had just a few weeks prior denied even knowing Jesus. Now he's boldly proclaiming something. Now he's seeing the power and confidence that he has in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, being displayed in this lame man who now is for the first time walking. Verse 16, and this is Peter still talking here, remember. He says, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man, the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So repent, therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him, whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Wait, this is not like a group of a couple of hundred people. This is thousands of people that are in this gathering that are hearing Peter, the one that, Je that denied knowing Jesus, the one who, who, who was afraid for his own life. Now we see him arrested for the name of Jesus. Now we see him speaking to thousands of people with this boldness. Verse 5. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, check this out, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. What? That gives me chills reading that. Like just reading that, do you hear the passion and the boldness of Peter in this moment? Like are you catching this? And it said Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is not Peter in his flesh speaking out of frustration to the people in charge and all these religious leaders. This is not Peter all of a sudden with an attitude. All right, That's not what's going on here. What's happening, the thing that shifted. 
as now the Holy Spirit has come. And we're seeing what Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8 where he said, my spirit's going to come and empower you to have this supernatural ability to be a witness, to be a public witness. And we're seeing this displayed right here. And it all has to do with this guy being healed. Can you go back and remember why we're even in this position that we're in in the first place? Because some guy that everybody knew couldn't walk now can walk. Isn't it awesome that God chose to heal this man who everybody in town knew couldn't walk? Everyone. So there was no disputing it. It wasn't like they set it up or this guy had been faking it or they hired an actor. Everybody knew this guy. And God chose this guy that everybody knew, that everyone saw every single day when they went to the temple to pray because someone would bring him there and set him down to help him get some food and some money. Everybody knew this guy. And now that's what's blowing everybody's minds is that we're all like, we know this guy. It's the guy that's always outside of the gate. Maybe, maybe I've even contributed, given him some money when I had some money to give and on my way to the temple before. And I, I felt sorry for this guy and thought, oh, this guy, his life must be so difficult. It must be so challenging. And now I see him and, and, and I can't put this together. How on earth would this happen? And all the priests, the religious leaders pass this man every single day. And now they're like, this guy, what do we do? Uh, how did you do this? By whose name did you do this? And they get all indignant and ask Peter. And, and Peter's like, it's Jesus Christ whom you crucified. Man, that's gangster right there is what that is. First, it is. That's no joke. That's like, I mean, for real. Okay, like, for real. If you get arrested and someone, like, comes at you, like, how'd you do this? I mean, the only way you could say something like this is if you had the Holy Spirit. Think about it, especially a guy like Peter who wasn't even arrested when he denied knowing Jesus. He wasn't even arrested. He just didn't want to be associated. And now all of a sudden, he's like, I'll tell you who healed the man. Jesus Christ. Oh, the one you crucified. Like, that's, some, that's hardcore. All right. Verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Because here Peter is breaking out all of this talk about prophecy and about how Christ has fulfilled this prophecy. And he's basically throwing the text back in their face. But here's the thing. Peter was a fisherman, and people knew that Peter was a fisherman. They knew he wasn't a part of the religious leaders or even being trained by a religious leader because he was fishing with his family. And if you were in the family business, if he had pursued being a part of, of, of the rabbi sect and he had wanted to go through that type of formal education, you would have to apply by talking to the rabbi. The rabbi would have to accept you as a student, kind of like as a Padawan. They take you on and then they like kind of mentor you. And, and, and if they reject you, you want to know what they would say to you if you went and you talked to someone and you tried to become uh, their disciple, and they rejected you, they would say, the, the, being a rabbi is not for you. Now go back into your family's trade. Go back to your father's trade. And when we first meet these guys, they're fishing with their dad. You remember this? You see, they're in a family business. And so, they're, and we know that you're, you don't have religious training. 
we know you don't have this background. So where's this all coming from? Even that is blowing their minds how well he's articulating um, this message and showing them this truth. They recognized, Scripture says, that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. It's like, what are you going to do? The power of God silenced the critics. Verse 15, when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak and teach at all in Jesus' name. <laughs> this is so cool because, like, you would think, okay, don't go speak in this name anymore. And you're like, yeah, and you just kind of walk out the door. Not Peter. Nope. Not Holy Spirit-filled Peter. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So in other words, thank you, but no thank you. We're going to keep on speaking. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all the people were praising God for what had just happened. For the man on whom this healing was performed was more than 40 years old. 40 years, this guy. People knew him, right? When they were released, they went to their friends and reported to the chief priests and elders. And he said uh, what, had, what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders were performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place that they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Isn't this amazing? The place they were at was like shaken after they prayed this prayer. And then they were all, again, filled with the Spirit so that they could go out and do what Jesus said they would do in Acts 1 and 8, to go and to be witnesses. They were empowered to speak with boldness. So them being filled with the Holy Spirit, part of that supernatural evidence of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of them was they had a boldness they did not possess before. And now they're declaring the gospel without any fear. Verse 32, now the number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So now there's like this insane spirit of generosity that's happening. Like they're just caring for each other, taking care of one another. We saw this again reiterated in Acts 2 around verse 42 through 47 where we saw some of those initial things that the early church did. They had all things in common. They were sharing the things that they had with one another. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and a great grace was upon them all. There, were, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them 
and brought the proceeds and what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So you see here this just incredible generosity. And you see what the Lord is doing. You see how the Holy Spirit has moved. We can see how we, the, the, the miracle of Peter speaking the truth. And then we saw later on, after they prayed, that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God boldly. So Peter was a part. Listen, check this out, okay? Peter was a part of this initial filling of the Holy Spirit back in Acts chapter 2 where they were in the upper room and they spoke in other languages. That's what the Holy Spirit sovereignly used them to do in that moment was to speak in a way that other people heard the gospel being proclaimed in their own language and thousands of people get saved as a result. And then later we see Peter, again, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit when he was before the religious leaders and he was sharing this. And then we see this place that they were at gathered together when they were kind of recapping what all had just taken place. They had prayed this beautiful prayer and they were once again filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to go out and speak and preach the word of God boldly. So this is, this is what I, I, I gather from this, is that we need a continual filling and dependence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we can drift into a dependence on ourselves. And we need to be reminded that we need the Holy Spirit active in our lives to do what God has created and called us to do. Because remember what we said in the beginning, we're not that great, right? And so the Christian life is one of self-denial. It's one of declaring a dependence on another, declaring our need for Jesus, declaring our need for him, and declaring the fact that we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what we just can't do. Because if we're waiting for ourselves to get good enough to do it, we'll never do it. If we wait for ourselves to get bold enough and have enough courage in our own strength and in our own ability, then the enemy will always come up with a tactic and a way to intimidate us. Always. He'll make sure that we're always intimidated. He'll make sure that we always feel like we don't measure up. He'll make sure that we always are reminded of our past. And he'll make sure we stay anchored down to all the things we're not getting right in life. And we'll stay stuck instead of doing what God has created us to do when God is trying to get us to focus on him and not get our eyes on our limitations. Because if we can get our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and trust in his word and what he said, that we need the Spirit's power active in our lives just to be bold witnesses for Jesus, then that puts my heart in a different position. Because now, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not going, how can I get all of this right today and how can I do all these things today? I get myself out of the way and deny myself and say, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I pray this every time before I come out and preach the word or lead a study or anything like that. I, I, I pray this way and I'll ask, I'll say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I don't want to get out here and trust in my own ability or my own, my, my own personality. I don't want to get out here and trust in the fact that, oh, I've been preaching all these years and I can get, no, I don't want to trust in that because, man, it'd be so easy to trust in that. It'd be so easy to just relax and just to coast on the things that maybe I've done a lot. And I could come out here and I could do this. 
But I, I don't want to come out here and just, I want the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me. So I say, Holy Spirit, I, I need you. Empower me to do what I can't do. Because guess what? I, I can say words. I, ask my wife or anyone that I work with. I can say words. Ask any of my friends. I, I have, I'm not at a loss for words. But what I can't do, I can't change hearts. And, and on my best day, the only thing I could do is maybe manipulate someone, and I don't want to do that. I could just try to, you know, say the right words and get it just right. No, no, I don't want to depend on my ability, my intellect. I don't want to depend on that. I want to depend on the Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I need you to do in me and through me what I can't do. That should set you free, church. That should set you free. Because it's not about you. It's not about you trying to figure it all out and get it all right. It's about us depending on Jesus and deepening that dependence on him. Go over to uh, John chapter 14 real quick. John chapter 14 and verse 15. So this is Jesus speaking here while he's still on the earth. And this is what he says, John 14 and 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home with him. And whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He said there's another one coming. He gives this promise of the Holy Spirit to the believers. And he's letting them know, listen... The Holy Spirit's going to help you. So like me being here, I know you guys think that's great. But actually, Jesus said what's actually better is that you can go in my name filled with the Spirit and you can go and do all of these things by his power. And you're going to be able to be witnesses all over the world because of what the Holy Spirit is going to do in you and through you. Here's our big idea for today, church. A greater dependence upon the Holy Spirit is required to accomplish the vision God has given us for the Quad Cities. That is our big idea for today. I want you to write that down. I want you to remember this. I want you to share this on social media. I want you to put this somewhere where you can remember this, where you can pray for this, where you can continually be reminded of this. Because church, we will not be able to do what God has called us to do in the Quad Cities and beyond if we don't have a greater dependence upon the Spirit of God. 
If we're trusting on how great BCC is and how great the people are, if we're trusting in our own ability, if we're trusting in our own uh, uh, savvy, we're trusting in our own wit, we're trusting in our own creativity, then we're going to be limited. We're going to be limited by ourselves. But we serve a God that has no limits. Amen? And so God can take an impossible situation and do something and make it possible. And so we need him because you and I, we have limits. We can only jump so high. We can only run so fast. And we can only expend so much energy. We can only do so much in our own strength. So we need him. And if we don't recognize this, then we're going to run out of energy. We're going to run out of gas. And we're not going to be able to be unified and move forward in the Spirit's power to do what God has called us to do here in the Quad Cities. And I know that you know my heart on this. And I want us to see this continue to to be influenced and impacted here in this area for the kingdom of God. I want to see us reach the next generation. I want to see us influence and impact the next generation so that the kingdom of God is still being impacted. The eternity, that eternity is still expanding beyond every person in this room's lifetime. That we see that the gospel is still going forward. That we see that the church that we leave behind when we're gone from this earth is stronger because we decided to trust in God more and depend on the Holy Spirit and not ourselves. And so a greater dependence is going to be required if we're going to accomplish what God has called us to do. Our vision is to connect people in the Quad Cities to a transforming relationship with Jesus and to grow through finding belonging in a healthy, authentic church community that is known for how we serve one another and others to impact every generation beyond our lifetime. That's what God has called us to do, to connect people to help them to grow and to lead to serve. And that's what God is calling us to do. And I believe that this is going to impact and influence eternity. This matters a lot. Amen? This is not Christian entertainment that we're providing for you. This is not some consumer-driven gathering that we have that's all about me, myself, and I, and us wanting things our way. No, we're doing something that is growing our walk with God, growing our community of faith, not just so we can have Christian friends. That's a part of it, sure. But not just so we can have Christian friends, but so that we can be salt and light in the Quad Cities and in this world. Amen? For us to do that, we're going to have to get out of the way and say, Lord, we got to trust you with this. So how do we trust in the Holy Spirit more? Let's go over to Luke chapter 11. I'm glad you asked. There's a scripture for that. You're like, this is all great, Pastor Derek, but I don't, I don't know what all this means. I don't know how to do this. Okay, don't worry. It's okay. Settle down. Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus has just taught his disciples how to pray. Because they said, Lord, we want to pray like you pray. Like Jesus must have been like. Some kind of prayer, right? I mean, probably the best at it. Uh, he is the best at it. Uh, <clears throat> right? And so they're like hearing him pray. And they're like, wow, like this is amazing. And they're like, we want to learn how to pray like that. And instead of Jesus just teaching them like a form, he actually gives them like these concepts and these ideas. And he teaches them what we call the Lord's Prayer. But then what he says next, often we don't talk about. Because we just recite the Lord's Prayer and we're kind of done with it. But this is in the context of Jesus actually teaching his disciples how to pray. And this is what he says next after he recites to them the, the Lord's Prayer and gives them an example of continually knocking, continually asking. Verse 10, Luke 11 and verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, 
Will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's an interesting thing for Jesus to say, right? That's an interesting thing for Jesus to insert here. How much more will he give you actually the good gifts? Like he'll actually give you his spirit. So what Jesus is saying here is that we just need to be people who are asking in faith, knowing that our God is going to give us what we need to do what he's called us to do. Amen? We have to trust that God is good. So that means if God's calling us to do something, listen to me. Oh, I want you to get this so bad. If God's calling us to do something, BCC, and he is, he's calling us to do something that I believe is going to significantly influence and impact this generation and the next. If we're going to do this, we have to understand that God is good. And if he's calling us to it, then he's going to equip us to do what he's called us to do. But we've got to ask. We've got to show up. We've got to be found faithful. And we've got to ask. We've got to ask with the heart position, knowing that God is good. Like knowing that he's a good father who gives good gifts. He said, you guys are evil. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said about us. He said, you guys are evil, but you still know how to give good gifts to your children. Because no, no good father is going to give his kid like a scorpion if he asks for like fish. He's not going to give him a stone if he asks for a bread, you know, or a scorpion or a snake or whatever. He's going to give him a good gift if he asks because he knows his father is good. And so if we know that our heavenly father is good and he's perfect, then if he's calling us to do something and we ask, Lord, I need you to help me do this because I can't do this in my own strength, then he's going to show up. He's going to provide. He's going to give you what you need for the task that he's called you to do. And this is not just for things that appear super spiritual because, man, we want to ask God to help us out on those because we get nervous. I'm talking about in your daily life, in the things that maybe you have gotten dependent on yourself in. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you navigate your marriage? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you navigate your friendships, your relationships? Before you go to work in the morning, have you stopped and said, Lord, I need you to empower me with boldness to do what you've called me to do at work today, to be that type of believer, to be that person that maybe when a moment comes, maybe, maybe someone comes and interacts with me that day, that maybe, maybe Lord, your Holy Spirit gives me a supernatural boldness to say something to them, or sensitivity, or maybe even just being a listening ear, because the Spirit has, has empowered me to do something that wasn't a part of my normal rhythm, and I was able to interact with someone and move the needle in regards to eternity a little bit more in the positive direction, because some of us plant, some of us water, but God brings the increase, amen? Maybe you're planting a seed in someone's life. Maybe you're watering a seed that someone else has planted. Whatever it may be, you're still speaking the truth that God has given you. Maybe there's a situation where you need to be bold and you just don't have the courage in your own strength. That's okay. You don't have to be bold and brave in your own strength. You don't have to get like hyped up, have somebody like come slap you like, let's go. Let's go. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. Woo, woo, woo. Do it. Do it. It's not like that. It's not like that. You don't have to have like a hype man. Here's what you have to do. You have to say, 
Holy Spirit, I need you because you give me the boldness I need when I need it. Holy Spirit, I need you. It's not based on my personality. My personality wants to be introverted. My personality wants to maybe be away from people or be frightened or scared of how they'll respond or react to me. But Lord, I need you. And I know you've called me to do this and I want to do this. So Holy Spirit, I know that I need you because you're the one who empowers me. Jesus said I would need you. And so I'm asking you, just as Jesus told me to, help me to do what I can't do in my own strength. Remember Peter denying Jesus and then just a few weeks later, boldly empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thousands of people getting saved. Not because Peter all of a sudden became a great preacher in his own strength. No, because the Holy Spirit filled Peter over and over and over again to do what Peter couldn't do. So just like that man who never walked and everyone was amazed, people are also amazed that Peter's even preaching. They're like, what? He's an uneducated guy. What on earth is happening here? Peter didn't say, let me go to seminary real quick, and then I'll go tell people about Jesus. No. He didn't have the formal education. And it caused people to be in awe. So get rid of the limits, BCC. Get rid of the limits. We have some cities to reach. Amen? We have five quad cities here, right? (laughs) We have cities to reach. We have people who are far away from God who need to experience something real. We have a generation that will go by the wayside if we don't wake up and begin to live like eternity matters and depend on the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. It's not about me. We're all a small part of a big idea. And here's here's my last point. Investing in the next generation will require us to deny ourselves, reject consumer Christianity, pick up our servant towels, and follow the Holy Spirit. Where BCC is going, where we're going, together, unified, with one heart, one mind, one voice, where we're going, it requires that we deny ourselves. Requires that we embrace selflessness. It requires us to pray more than we ever have because tomorrow is too late to start investing in impacting eternity beyond our lifetime. So we need the Holy Spirit's power. We need the boldness to declare the gospel and the boldness, the self-awareness, the vision to see beyond ourselves and to invest in the next generation and to invest in eternity. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 12 and 15. He said that I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Lord, help us do this. Holy Spirit, we need your power. Oh, we need you, Spirit of God. Spirit of God, fall on this place. Fall, Lord, in every one of us. Fill every one of us with the boldness that we need to live on purpose to be a part of what you're doing in this generation and investing in what you're going to do in the next. Fill us to overflowing with you to where people don't see us, but they see you. Fill us with supernatural boldness. Give us the gifts that we need. We declare our dependence and our trust in you. In Jesus' name.